Hello and welcome to Emacs.l. This is episode seven. I'm your host, Daniel Gopar. And I'm your co-host, Amin Bandeli. Yeah. And today we have Jorgen Schaefer. Um, he's the uh, creator of Alpi and Circa, uh, other other Emacs packages that are out there. So uh, Jorgen, uh, thanks for hopping onto the show. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. So okay. So uh, we'll just dive right straight into the questions. Um, the first question that I always ask is, how did you get into Emacs? Oh, uh, good question. <laughs> I think it was uh, in university. Some course we just started doing stuff, and someone said, "Oh, you need to use this program." And I was sitting in front of it, and I was like, "Okay, well, <laughs> if that's how it works, then I just started using it, and I got stuck in there." Okay, <laughs> right on. Did you right away start uh, messing with the configurations, or did you just start using it as is? <clears throat> oh, good question. I think I, I, I st uh, they had a pretty big configuration ready for their tooling. I think it was something. I actually don't remember what it was. <laughs> they had a big configuration for that course, and, and I just took it. And then I started reading up on that, too, because apparently everyone was using it. I think it was actually X-Emacs, not GNU-Emacs in the beginning. OK. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think that was a little bit before my time, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably 1999. Oh, OK, yeah. Oh, wow. <clears throat> All right. That's a while ago. <laughs> Basically, lost century, right? <laughs> true, <Yeah>. true. <laughs> all, right. Um, all right. So, one question is: uh, What is Emacs? And I mean, uh, not Emacs. Uh, Alpi, and why would someone choose to choose to use it? Oh well, Alpi is a, a Python IDE wannabe, I guess. Basically, a, a toolset. That or a, a package for Emacs that you can easily install that gives you a comprehensive, sensible Python development environment. And that was initially my goal because when I started developing it, um, if you wanted to have a Python development development environment for Emacs, um, there were huge blog posts you could follow, and then you have to install that package and that package, and then paste this into your configuration and everything, and, and it was horrible. So I just started out with a, a package that would uh, make this installation process easier, and it grew from there. Mm, okay. All right, sweet. Well, thankful to you. I don't have to go through that painful process that you just described. <laughs> so, hey, yeah, awesome, man. All right. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. So, um, do you want to talk about a little bit about uh, Alpi's features and what sort of like features it offers compared to like an ID like PyCharm? I have, that's a, that's a difficult question in general, I think, because um, IDEs, well, the the I part meaning integrated is a, a very very big topic, and yeah, and I don't think Emacs can actually do everything as well as an IDE can do. It can do other things much better. But the integration part is, is really hard for Emacs. Um, nice. What Alpi tries to do is to use all sorts of sensible modes that there, uh, there are out there. For example, company mode is a mode that gives you completion. And Alpi hooks it up with some 
Python node or Python libraries that give you completion options and just interpret right. that. And well, it's uh, there are a whole bunch of nice modes out there that work, and now if I just puts them together, and, and I think it's maybe eighty percent to a good ID, but if you use PyCharm, there, there are so many things that just work out of the box a lot, uh, a lot easier than on Emacs. It's a bit tricky, but as soon as you want to edit text, it gets annoying. Right, right. Cool. Thanks. And um, so, I guess um, did Alpi start as as a sort of like a personal configuration, or was it just from the beginning? Did you have this vision of it being as a separate like package? Well, it started out because I had this uh, stuff copied from a blog post or multiple blog posts into my configuration, and thought this can't be the be all and end all for Python configuration for Emacs. Mm -hmm. so I figured right. um, I'll extract it into a separate file, and then I thought maybe others want to use that separate file too. And oh, Emacs has this concept of packages. Let's use one of those. Right. But Alpine went went through a whole iteration of different versions. In the beginning, it used, uh, for example, Pimax. I'm not even sure if that's still around. Mm -hmm. uh, that was the old way of doing Python integration with Emacs, and, mm -hmm. and that was terrible. <laughs> Great idea, but it just was incredibly flaky and, and difficult to set up. And well, then, then uh, I, I rewrote the whole RPC interface and that's when Alpi started to be more than a separate than just a collection of, of modes you would use together uh, and because I started nice. adding my own um, code and, and backends and everything mm. yeah so how does um, uh, Alpi work internally is it all uh, you can go at a high level is it all elist or is there a little bit of Python thrown in there as well to ease it or or yeah I'd say probably 50-50 or something, maybe a bit more heedless by now. Okay. Uh, it's basically um, um, a whole lot of Emacs Lisp, but to talk to Python, to be able to figure out uh, what the sensible completion would be at this point or what modules are available or give me documentation for that symbol at this point. You need something that speaks Python, and Python is pretty good at that. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the core feet or core elements of Alpi is this bridge between Nextlist and Python, so the two parts can talk to each other. Okay. <coughs> um, one. Um, <clears throat> so one of the things that I also do um, before I interview is I always ask on Reddit um, for people if they have some questions. So uh, there were some questions okay. such as, uh, do you have any plans on adding stuff like uh, code generation? I know this is more like, uh, you know, leading into IDEs and stuff, you know, kind of like PyCharm uh, has stuff like this. Um, for example, if you define uh, calling a function in uh, LPI and LPI can't find it, would uh, LPI provide the uh, one option to automatically create a boilerplate uh, function? or method or, or whatever? Um, is that something you've thought about or haven't really dabbled with? Or I 
haven't really thought about adding that for Python, primarily because um, uh, Python is such a dynamic language. Uh, I think a lot of people coming from IDEs, especially for languages, highly static languages like Java, they, they have this expectation that um, um, a good IDE knows everything about your program. And they do for if the programming language uh, gives that ability, like with Java, you, you really know what kind of variable you have there because it's written right in front of it and over it and around it in a river. Okay. Um, with Python, um, it's more of a heuristic. You, you, you guess what you have there. Yeah. And the, the backend says, oh, I don't know what kind of function this is. That can mean, well, that function isn't defined or, well, I couldn't figure it out. Mm -hmm. So if you really wanted to have something like, like automatic code generation, it would be somewhat of a hit or miss. Mm, okay. Yeah, and, yeah, that, that sounds pretty much about right. Yeah. <laughs> so also um, uh, with the talk about not really um, being able to find out what exactly type you're dealing with in Python, um, hopefully that can be a little bit easier on, on development on the future when uh, maybe type annotation takes off in Python or maybe it doesn't. So who knows, maybe type annotations can kind of help that process later on for LPI or other places. Um, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, also another thing, a uh, big thing um, that I also see on, uh, on GitHub issues a lot on LPI is the question about uh, whether using to ro to use rope or Jedi. Um, so do you have, uh, I'm pretty sure you already have thoughts on that. <laughs> so would you mind elaborating? <laughs> oh yeah, that, that's a tricky, it's, it's somewhat tricky topic with a lot of history because Jedi actually isn't that old. In the beginning, there was rope and that's about it. Pimax, what I was talking about earlier, you uh, used rope and that's what everything started out with. And Alpha used rope in the beginning. And then this Jedi thing came along and it was the new kid on the block basically. And I figured, okay, there are two libraries. Well, it, it wouldn't be too difficult to support both, especially if they have some advantage or used to have some advantages and some disadvantages. Some Sometimes one did better job, sometimes the other did a better job. And well, so I added Jedi support later. Okay. But um, time went on, time went on, and Rope is, I think, basically dead as a project. The, okay. the original authors aren't working on it anymore. And I actually have an issue open on Alpi that says remove rope support. Um, that caused a huge discussion and, and uh, some people came up and, and wanted to revive rope because rope is so awesome, according to them. <laughs> and they were rewriting it and doing a lot of work and it was really nice. I mean, those people were really, really great people. It was enjoyable to work with them and they are, they did a lot of work to, to revive rope, but that mm, more or less died off after a few iterations. Mm -hmm. So my current recommendation for everyone is uh, just use Jedi. And mm -hmm. if, if that doesn't work out for you for some reason, because there are still some bugs um, around, uh, try rope. Okay. And if rope at some point just isn't an option anymore in, in Alpi, well, that's 
probably when when I got uh, when I just didn't want to support two per code paths anymore. Okay. Yeah, the way I'm currently doing things is pretty much Jedi for everything. And if I had to do some type of uh, small or medium-sized refactoring, I go to Rope. And yeah. Rope has pretty much done a decent job so far. I mean, there's been a couple issues where it didn't catch everything, but, I mean, uh, that's what you get. Um, but, yeah, is, is there uh, – I'm sorry, what? Are you using Python 3? Uh, yeah, Python 3, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that's really surprising because Rope used to have a lot of problems with uh, Python 3. Uh, a lot of the, the Py 3 conversion was done by these people, so that sounds really good. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, um, obviously at work there's different projects, you know, Python 2 and Python 3, but uh, as of right now, I'm mostly doing Python 3 stuff. Um, awesome. Do that. <laughs> yeah. Rope had a lot of problems with that in the, in the past. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Um, oh man, I had a question, but I completely went off. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. Oh, um, for rope as a refactoring tool, do you have plans on replacing that with something else? Cause I mean, I do like rope and I don't mind it being there since it does help with refactoring, mm -hmm. but I mean, uh, I wouldn't, uh, I, at least personally, um, I will, if, if it's going to be taken off, I'd, I would like for it to be replaced with something. Um. <clears throat> I think refactoring is the main reason it, it's not out yet. Um, I don't think I would completely remove support because of the refactoring. Uh, it's just that right now, uh, a lot of features Alpine has like uh, code completion, documentation for symbol at point, etc., that are not related to refactoring at all. They switch between Jedi and Rope depending on what you configure. Mm, okay. And I probably would remove the rope path from those and just use Jedi for them. And <laughs> the part where, where it does refactoring in because that just rope, Jedi doesn't do refactoring yet. Mm. Okay. And mm -hmm. there, there, there is no uh, other option for refactoring that I know of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was looking, browsing around, but there doesn't seem that many options. <laughs> Sadly. Oh, yeah. uh, all right. Um, also, another um, another thing that I see uh, also uh, dabbling in the GitHub issues is the question about whether using uh, FlyCheck or FlyMake for uh, the syntax checker. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Do you have any comments on that as well? Uh, yes. Uh, use FlyCheck. Uh, Alpi, I'm not sure if I if we added support for FlyCheck by default by now. It's no, it's either done or an open issue. I, I forgot. Um, this was a bit of a longer or a longer dis discussion because the author of FlyCheck refuses to or has reasons, good reasons, I uh, I think, to not submit copyright papers to the Free Software Foundation. So FlyCheck can't get into Emacs core. Mm. And for some time in the beginning of Alpi, I wanted to get Alpi into Emacs core or at least uh, on GNU Alpa. Uh, so uh, adding or requiring FlyCheck would have been um, basically the way to say, no, I'm not doing that. So I went with FlyMake in the beginning and it works. It's okay. It has some issues, but it's okay. 
Flytrick is just basically better in everything in every single respect. Okay. Hmm. All right. Sweet. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah. So the next thing would probably be uh, debugging. Um, so as of right now, um, debugging in uh, in Alpine would probably just do meta x pdb, right, and just start following the stack trace. <laughs> Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. Is there is there a certain uh, package or anything uh, in the future that you're thinking of of making that a little bit um, more pretty? I guess you could say. <laughs> uh, I have a confession to make here. Uh, I'll make it public. Uh, <laughs> okay. Print debugger. I do not use PDB or any de uh, interactive debugger at all. <laughs> oh, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so um, every time someone asks me stuff about PDB or, or the GUD integration in Emacs and everything, I'm like, oh, yeah, right. There was something that I think that works. And so I would love to have good support for that. But as I don't use it, mm -hmm. it's, it's really hard for me to figure out what would be a good inter um, or a, a good user interface or how to improve things or what people actually like. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I think something like uh, uh, w what's that package? Uh, GUDP or or what is it? In, in Emacs, right? It's built into Emacs. Um, uh, I'm sorry. Um, what was the packaging? Uh, uh, GUD Grand Unified Debugger. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think it splits into multiple windows and shows the stacks and variables and stuff like that. I think something like that would be would be awesome, but I mean, um, it all depends on taste as well. So, but uh, wow! Uh, so, uh, just out of curiosity, you, you just don't like debuggers, or are you infatuated with the gonna, print statement? Or yeah, I was going to ask that as well. <laughs> very very long story, um, or not really a long story. It's just a long history. Um, I, I think it's a self reinforcing problem. Uh, I do switch languages a lot, and every language is slightly different when it comes to debuggers. Um, I do know how to use them, uh, but it's just not something I do constantly or a lot. So I always feel a bit weird and unhampered when I try to use an interactive debugger, and it's just me. So, something doesn't really click for me. Okay. So, I uh, so I don't use them regularly, which means I uh, don't get the experience with it, which means it's somewhat meh to use. So okay. basically, it's self-reinforcing. And mm. uh, for a lot of things, uh, I do a lot of server or web server uh, programming. And in a lot of situations, you just don't have an interactive anything there. Um, so just to support... Um, a debugger or debugger workflow, you have to work, put work into into this. And well, I just don't. I just use a print. It tells me what what's going on there. <laughs> okay. All right. So, yeah. Um. I think I recently just started using um like uh like around for three months. I recently started using debuggers. I mean, um, before I was just doing print statements as well. But I mean, if you're switching a lot, then yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, that that that's interesting though. <laughs> uh, 
Thank you. Thank you for. Uh, um, I'm sorry. What? I was just saying. I do use. I or started using PDB and on Ruby Pry or Bybug. Uh, with Ruby, by the way, it's it's terrible. There are like 15 different <laughs> things you can use, um, and you have to figure out which one you want. And with Python, it's awesome. There's this one thing that works. Uh, I use those just to uh, get uh, stack trace at a certain position and print some variables. That's something I started doing, but mm. everything else, like stepping through code and, and that is just meh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Everybody, everybody has their own likes. Yeah. All right. See. Um, <clears throat> also for uh, Alpi, since it looks like you have a lot of uh, popularity over the years now, um, which is awesome. So do you have any plans on adding uh, uh, framework support such as for like Flash, Django, or Pyramid, um, anything like that built into the core of LPI or or not really? Hmm. I don't have any particular plans. There have been people adding Django support, um, which is awesome because I use Django. OK. Um, <laughs> but I don't think I would have set out and said, oh, I need Django support in, in Alpi. Just never occurred to me that there was something missing there. And I don't use Flask or Permit in any project. So same thing with debuggers. <laughs> I don't have a use. I don't know what would be useful or what people um, um, would need to, uh, to get these supported in any way. If someone adds or makes pull requests, awesome, please do. Uh, I'll happily consider them, but Mm -hmm. Nothing. I would. I would start in that direction. Hmm. Okay. All right. What about um, something uh, for like pip support, like automatically installing Python packages from within a virtual VM or something like that? Sounds great. Uh, I I think I have an open issue with some ideas on that. Like, being uh, well, uh, something I wanted to have in the past was um, um, a listing of which packages are outdated. Maybe something that gets um, the requirements t text file, or displays that in a sensible way, or, or allows <clears throat> updating the version number in there in some way. That would be great, but I don't have like a, a good idea or a good grasp on on what I really would like to have there. Hmm. Okay. All right. See. Um. Okay. Um. What are some things that you think uh, Alpi is missing or that you would like to see in the future, maybe adding it yourself or seeing it from contributors uh, making pull requests? Oh, tons of things. There are uh, <laughs> issues on, on Alpi for, <laughs> I was just checking, 247 issues, and I think most of them are in the backlog milestone because I had this idea, oh, I want to do this, or that would be nice, and then I write it down and forget about it, or okay. Back and, and, <laughs> so yeah. just look at the GitHub issues <laughs> and pick yeah, one. If, you, like. if you want to do something, look there and and or actually, um, much better if someone wants to help with Alpi, uh, use it, figure out what's annoying you, and fix that. Hmm. Okay. Because uh, I think a lot of open source projects suffer from. Um, an helper syndrome kind of mentality. You sit there and, and, and try to figure out, oh, someone else, not me, but someone else might need this feature, so I'll add it. Mm. And that's 
very unagile way of, of fixing things. Just make things you know you need because that means you can do them really well. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, also, on on that note, um, how would someone be uh, helpful in LPI as, as in becoming like a like another core developer of LPI or something like that? Is there like a defined process, or is it just you commit enough that you just give them right access? Or I think that's that's how it worked for Cersei, uh for the IRC client. Someone committed so many things and said, oh, damn, I don't want to read all your code anymore. Just <laughs> have the right access. <laughs> no, there is no, there is no defined process because it's been my hobby project for, well, I, I think it's been, been five years soon. Okay. And there haven't been that many consistent contributors. Mm. There have been awesome people. Really, really thank you to all of you. I, I try to mention everyone who helps in, in the release notes. And it's awesome. Uh, <laughs> I have to I have to say this because um, really one of the best things about maintaining open source software is someone coming along and saying, "Hey, I use your software. Here's something that makes it better." It's mm. such an awesome feeling uh, in, in so many ways. It's great. Thanks to all of you. Yeah. Uh, but well, if someone wants. If someone wants to contribute, make pull requests. I read each and every one of them. Sometimes I take a while. I'm sorry about that, but uh, I, I read them all. I do give code re, uh, re, or code reviews, tell people about stuff I, I like or don't like in, in the code. And if you really want to do me a favor, uh, uh, split your pull requests into separate ones. So separate uh, one pull request per feature. I think that's normal, but I had mm -hmm. issues with that in the past with people putting everything into one pull request and then it was a bit too much to, to read and it took ages. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, that's that's understandable, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, <clears throat> all right, well, let's see. Um, one, one other question that I have is, uh, do you use anything else? <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, sorry about that. Um, do you use anything um, alongside with Alpi uh, to ease your Python development, or is it, do you just strictly rely on Alpi? Uh, well, my, I, I think a development environment uh, includes um, your editor, Emacs, in particular for me, but there are also lots of things around it. I mean, I do use the Django test server and, and stuff. But where do you draw the line where something is part of your development process and when, when it is part of the normal thing you do when you develop everything? <laughs> okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I don't think I use anything particularly noteworthy or, or surprising in that regard. Okay, uh, yeah, um, I just figured I checked. Uh, you never know when you learn something new. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. I know Amin has some questions about uh, about uh, circuit. Is that is that how you pronounce it? I don't. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know? Okay. <laughs> I, I heard people. Cersei. I heard that before. Kirke. Okay. And depending on whether you're German or English, I think. 
I, I also think someone pronounced it as Tilze or Tilke, or it, it's weird. <laughs> I think Circe is the, the official English pronunciation of that Greek goddess, so maybe use that. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> All right, well, uh, whatever you want, it's fine. <laughs> if she doesn't like it, she turns you into, into a pig and it's all fine. Okay. <laughs> right. enough, fair enough. Yeah, I was just kind of curious and ask about like the motivations behind starting it, and for example, how like you would compare it to like something like um, ERC or RCIRC. Oh, long, long history. Oh, a long, long past. Uh, in the past, uh, <laughs> I used to contribute a lot to uh, ERC. Um, yeah. I also know the, the author or main maintainer back then, the list of ERC. It was a great time. We had a lot of fun. Uh, but eventually, um, I felt that uh, that the, the abstractions in ERC were just getting a bit too annoying. It, was, it wasn't a lot of fun to add more features or, or doing what I tried to do. And it got more and more cumbersome. And then I did what every rookie programmer does when they see a problem. They say, oh, it can't be that hard. I'll just write a new program. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yes, yeah. Um, that, that's how it works, no? Yeah, so that, that's much. how that client was born. And I think it actually started out more or less at the same time as our RC, IRC. I also talked with the author of that one a lot. I'm not... I don't think it can be um, um, said often enough how how much the three authors of these, or I'm not sure if it's the author, author of ERC, but the main maintainer back then of ERC, the, the author of RC, IRC, and, and myself, we were all sitting on channel Emacs and we were all talking with each other and having different opinions on how to, <laughs> how to do things. And, yeah. uh, and But we learned so much from each other. It was a fun time. That's great. Yeah, and I was going to ask about, like, um, pros and cons. I think, like, one of the, um, I guess, goals of Cersei is to have, like, sensible defaults out of the box. But, like, other than that, how does it compare to these other two uh, clients? Um, I think I'm not sure about the defaults of ERC at the moment. Back when I was using it, I haven't used either ERC or RC-IRC in the last 10 years or so. So they might oh, wow. have changed slightly. Um, but yeah. um, last time I looked at them, it was basically ERC can do pretty much everything Cersei can do because um, some things Cersei stole from ERC, some things ERC stole back from Cersei, and it was really, really nice. Uh, mutual beneficial right. development. Mm -hmm. um, but for ERC, you have to configure it all. You have to set it up every single every single module. You have to configure it, hook it up, and get it all together, and then it all works. It's nice, but you yeah. have to put in this initial effort. And my goal for Cersei is that you can get my RC client with my configuration without no with no configuration work on your side. Right, right. Yeah, that's uh, that's a noble goal. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I have to pick some kind of configuration that I think is sensible. So I just use whatever I like to use. It's, it's mm -hmm. Personal. Right, right. Yeah, fair enough. Sounds good. And um, is it actively maintained uh, or? Uh, Cersei? Oh, yes. 
Yeah, okay. We do fix bugs. There's an IRC channel, Emacs Cersei, on Freenode if you want to us uh, or have problems, just ask there. Mm -hmm. um, I have to say that Vaza Maza is much more active as a, a contributor to Cersei than I am at the moment. He's pretty right. awesome. He, he's <laughs> the guy I was talking earlier about where he who has just contributed so much that I say, here, I have write access. I don't want to read all your code anymore. <laughs> <laughs> True, true. Interesting. Okay, I also had um, some questions about Buttercup, which, um, if I understand correctly, it's for behavior-driven development. And um, I guess, like, would it be fair to say it's something like uh, Ruby's R spec or Haskell's H spec for writing like regression tests or like acceptance testing? Oh, actually, the the, uh, the stated goal of that project is to be. Uh... Uh, JavaScript's just mine for Emacs Lisp. But those okay. are very, very similar, all of them. It's just mm -hmm. the the way you write uh, write down your test or tests, this describe feature, it should do this or it should do that. And that. Right. Uh, uh, I had some kind of epiphany when I, when I used just uh, uh, mine for the first time because this kind of uh, thinking about tests really um, um, changed the way I write tests and how I structure them. And it was a really mm -hmm. great feeling, and, and I really missed that when I was trying to write tests in Emacs Lisp. Right, right. Yeah, I was also going to ask how you would compare it to like ERT, which was, I think, the what existed before you you started Buttercup. Yeah, and it's still the the um, the main. Uh, testing framework, I think ERC, but because it's come, it comes with Emacs and it just works. Um, right. There, there are a few things I don't like about ERT. I, I, there, you can read them, uh, read up on them on the Emacs Buttercup repo readme. Um, yeah. Three, three things, mainly. Um, the first one is. Uh, Set up and teardown code. I use that or like to use that a lot because I like to have small tests. And and yeah. I just want to write 15 two-line tests after each other and, and extract most of the teardown and then set up code into some common uh, thing in front of them. And what ERT says about that is, well, it's it's a lisp, write a macro. And that is <laughs> It's very true. You can do that. It works. But every time I do that, I need to write a new macro. So I could write a macro that just allows me to set uh, to create a setup and teardown code. And mm -hmm. I don't know why that isn't in ERT. Hmm. <clears throat> right. Yeah. And, and there are a few other things. Um, the the ERT, ERT is designed to be run interactively. And Buttercup is designed to be run non-interactively because uh, I think tests should be run in a continuous integration environment. They should also be run locally by development because I, mm. I do love TDD. But yeah. um, the main goal for tests should be to run every time you integrate your software. All tests should run. Everything should go green and then, okay, things are fine. And ERT makes that hard. And I don't understand that decision either. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 
Uh, <clears throat> well, also um, uh, another question <laughs> is that: Is there anything that you feel that we should have asked that we didn't ask you about? Um, it can be pretty much anything. <laughs> hmm. You're the the podcast people. <laughs> uh, there's only so much we can come up with. <laughs> I don't think so. I'm... Okay. Okay. Um. All right. Sweet. Yeah. All right. So, what's your uh, favorite Emacs package? It it can be anything. Um. It it, it can be Medex, Tetris, or or whatever. <laughs> okay. Now you have to wait a moment because I have to think about that. Uh, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there are so many awesome Emacs packages around that solve little problems on the Okay, in this particular situation, this package is awesome. And I really like that. That's part of what I really like about Emacs in general. Um, but for, if I have to pick one for ingenuity in, in and just because it's aptly named, solves a real problem in a really <laughs> great way, it's dump jump. Do you know dump jump? Uh, I don't think I've heard of it. Uh... it it's uh, a tool that uh, replaces the meta dot command, you know, where you go to an identifier. Okay, yeah, yeah. And there are so many attempts to solve this problem. Like um, Emacs by default comes with the uh, e-tags or tag support where mm -hmm. you regenerate a tax table every time and then you can, and then the program will look up the current identifier in that tax table, which works great for languages that have globally unique identifiers, but quickly can degenerate. And you have to have, you have to, uh, regenerate the tax table every time you do something. You save a file, you need to regenerate that, and it, it's just some maintenance burden. Yeah. Alpha goes the other way and then integrates with Python. There's a running Python interpreter that just um, analyzes source code, and, and um, I can re recommend reading Jedi at some point because the parser and, and attempts to interpret Python, the same things I said earlier about how how it guesses what kind of thing that um, object under point might be, and then, and then it tries to figure out where that is defined and everything. And there's so much logic, so much work put in there. Jump, jump, takes the symbol under point, puts the uh, language-specific or, or function uh, definition syntax around it and does a grab on the whole uh, product. Mm, okay. It's, um, it's really aptly named. It's completely dumb. It doesn't try to do any particular <laughs> logic and it works surprisingly well. And huh? it, it doesn't matter which language or whether well, the, uh, the uh, mode does have to have support for the language, but adding support for a language is pretty trivial. Mm -hmm. So you, you just go through 10 different languages in some project and just hit out period and it goes to the identifier. It's absolutely yes. amazing, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah, all right. Sorry. Gonna have to check that out at it as well. All right. So I mean, we're pretty much at the end. So is there any way, um, or is there um, uh, basically how 
how can people get in touch with you if they want to ask some more questions or anything like that? Uh, if it's a question about any of my projects, uh, anything that is related to a particular project, do open a GitHub issue. That's the best way. Okay. Uh, I do follow up on here that someone opens. Um, and it makes it easier for me to have them uh, in a single point if, if it's about Alpi in the Alpi repo. Uh, if it's not related to any kind of any project of mine, or if it's very, very general and you don't feel like you want to post it on, on GitHub, I'm fine with questions on GitHub. It doesn't have to be an issue. It can be AI, I have this configuration problem, something broke, or I want to do this. How do I do that? It's fine. That's great for an issue for me. If it's something very general or you don't want to then don't want to open an issue for that, you can send me an email. I have a website at jorgenschäfer.de uh, and there is an email address. You can just send me an email. You can find me on channel Emacs on Freenode. I'm called Forsal there. Say hi. Okay. <laughs> well. All right. See. So yeah, uh, we'll put all that information in the description in the show notes. So yeah. So uh, thank you, uh, Jurgen, uh, for being on the show. Yeah. Thank you very much. This was a lot of fun. All right. <laughs> Thanks. All right. All right. See you. Bye. Bye.